Welcome to Transformative Talk, Critical Conversations for Teachers. I'm Dr. Zid Haddad, a professor of instruction within the Department of Interdisciplinary Learning and Teaching at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I teach undergraduate and graduate courses in curriculum and instruction. In short, I teach teachers how to teach and save lives through the use of critical multicultural education as an approach to teaching and learning. Our podcast is produced by a different group of graduate students each week, giving them an opportunity to talk about what they're reading in my class, what they experience in the field, and how that impacts their own lives and understandings. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast from wherever you're listening. Also, you can ask us questions and engage with us further using the Anchor.fm website or the Anchor.fm app on your phone. You can submit questions and you can also send us voice messages. And remember, please share our podcast on all your socials so that we can build our audience. Thanks for listening and here's today's episode. This is Kimberly Rader, Abigail Luna, and Sylvia Balboa, your hosts for this episode of Transformative Talk. In this episode, we are going to talk about the high points concerning the evolution of high school and their role that the cardinal principles of 1918 have played. We'll also ponder if we have to go back to what was with a few tweaks to move forward. Welcome to Shampoo, Rinse, Repeat. Let's discuss the seven principles. All right. So... As we know, the cardinal principles were issued in 1918 by the Commission on the Reorganization of Secondary Education, otherwise known today as high school. And so they really just wanted to form some objectives to kind of get things following all the same track. But much like then, as we see today, not everybody was on the same page, even though I think maybe they tried. Let's give them. So that first one is help. And it says that a secondary school should encourage good health habits, give health instruction, and provide physical activities. Good health should be taken into account when schools and communities are planning activities for youth. The general public should be educated on the importance of good health. And teachers should be examples of good health and schools should furnish good equipment and safe buildings. All right, ladies, let me hear it. Well, I mean, how accurate is that? Like. We have schools that are falling apart. My school has a leak in the roof. There's paint pulling off the walls. I mean, safe buildings, good equipment. Like, what? I don't know. Also, like, if this is a nationwide thing, I mean, think about what's happening in Florida. You know, good health habits, good health instruction. You have the don't say period bill, which they can't talk about anything sexual or anything like that until sixth grade. Um. When I was in school, I got my period when I was in fifth grade. So that means I wouldn't know until then. You know, thankfully, my mom would talk about it to me beforehand. But, like, not all kids get that. So how is that a good representation of that first principle? Well, also, I mean, let's take a look at, at like, PE, for example. Talking, talking to kids, they're saying, well, if they're in athletics, meaning they're on a sports team, then they are required to shower. But the other kids taking PE, they're not required to shower. And let me tell you, I have air freshener in my room to combat that situation. And, yeah, because ripe, Ooh. ripe. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and that's just basic stuff. Well, don't basic. they make kids like do the whole shower thing after gym anymore? I mean, that was mandatory for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't even think we have showers at my school, my middle Hi. school. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's like, what about other basic health things? Like um, knowing how to wash your, your clothes. 
I mean, there's been, I can't tell you how many times that I have said, Hey, my love, if it's a situation at home that, that you can't, you don't have facilities or whatever, bring your laundry to school and I will pop it into the, the washing machine and everything in, in our culinary arts department and, and we'll get you sorted. Wow. And I think about historically, like not everybody had access to running water um, for quite some time. There was no electricity. So I wonder what kind of health instruction they got. But, you know, that's, you know, just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so then our second one, <laughs> command of fundamental processes. And, and so here they're talking about uh, the fundamental processes are considered to be reading, writing, oral and written expression and math. And it was decided that these basics should be applied to newer material instead of using the older way of doing things. That's kind of sounds like the same focus that the Yale report had with like keeping that strong focus on academics. Um, I know these are also still supported by star testing. All right, ladies. I feel like these are still heavily focused on in schools, like you said, with the star testing. Um, I feel like a lot of resources just go explicitly to ELA and math. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have ELA mastery for those who need extra help for the intervention. You have math mastery for those intervention in math. But it's like, what about everything else? Like you're pulling electives away from kids so they can have their mastery classes. I get that's important, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it excludes other things. How are they learning oral and written expression? Oh, that's me. Um, with, um, well, for this, this coming school year, one of the things that I will be teaching in secondary education is professional communications. So with, with me, that means that they're going to learn writing and some remedial things with reading, oral and written expression are part of all of the requirements. Now, I know that legally speaking, they have in they have lumped that all together with a lot of the ELA and that speech is being covered by that, but it's not sufficient, which is why I am teaching it. How you and I are speaking right now is not how people are speaking in text message. And it's definitely not something you convey in email. So I think the professionalism of learning communication is very important because I have received emails that I'm just like, huh you're you're an executive what okay all right they do have spell check and grammar check for a reason but whatever but um so what was I was reading like back in back when everything kind of first started um with the you know formal education and kind of making that structure that this was done by them actually reading and reciting um the the classic literature and in earliest cases it was being able to write and read um bible passages mm-hmm. in latin and english mm-hmm. um i'm really glad that's gone but i'm super happy about the professional speech uh, do you think that ties into the worthy home membership which is cardinal principle number three which calls for the development of those qualities that make the individual a worthy member of family, both contributing to and deriving benefit from the membership. The principles should be taught through literature, music, social studies, and art. Co-ed schools should show good relationships between male and females, 
And when trying to instill this principle in the children, the future as well as the present should be taken into account. Well, let's talk about that social studies bit right there. And let's also Woo-hoo. talk about music and art because social studies I know is close to your heart. So um, let's talk about civic responsibility because I mean, if you think about it, I mean, civic responsibility is something that needs to start at home. Um, but a lot of times the parents aren't very conversant in that either. And so if we can teach the kids what it means um, in a democracy, have democratic education for the kids, we incorporate the music, we incorporate incorporate literature and art and we have the cultural significance for them and see how that works within their home within their community within their town within their county their state and their nation not only are we helping them to be worthy of home membership they are also becoming important members of society i agree with that entirely like uh growing up my parents never voted um my dad's like the, high, the highest education my parents have are like some college and they really graduate from college. But my dad is like a big policy person. He follows it a lot. So like when I graduated high school, I went to UT first. um, And that was right during that 2016 election. And being freshly turning 18, I was like, I'm not going to vote. What am I going to vote for? I don't even vote. You know, and of course, that was the iconic Trump versus Clinton. So like over there in UT, that shit was heated. Like, there was mm-hmm. protests all the fucking time. Fuck Trump. Fuck this. Fuck that. I was just like, as a baby freshman, I was like, what the hell is happening? I've never been exposed to such intense like polarization. I was like, holy shit. And then I didn't vote that election. Then, then as I left UT and I came back here, I saw how it was different in UTSA. And I, you know, you take classes with Haddad and like the culture is just different here. UTSA was at UT. So, like, I started to learn more about politics, and I was like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I need to be voting and, and exercising my, my rights as a as a civilian, you know what I'm saying? Like, what am I doing? I gotta contribute to society, I gotta contribute to the democracy. So, I started voting, and I got my parents to vote, and it's like, you know, if there's lack of that in the school, how are they gonna know how to exercise that, you know? Yeah, and it, it does seem like a lot of there is a lack of knowledge about that. Um, I know Raider probably remembers. I know I remember um, when Barack was elected. Mm-hmm. It was it was a big debate then. But what happened is because this was somebody people could relate to, mm-hmm. the voter turnout was huge and it made a difference. And I, I just kind of wish like, when we talk about worthy home membership, like more of that could come through, like even in the music and the literature that we have at home, there's a lot of it, which, you know, could be a little questionable. I think right now it's about learning the safety of the internet is, it should be a big one because when we talk about literature, that's where a lot of our youth is getting that literature from right now. Um, Of something too, what is it called? two semesters ago in fall no yeah remember we read that article it was like oh it was not technology literate but like knowing how to read a piece of information from them from from the media technology and be able to recognize like bias and media it was media literacy is what it was talking about Mm -hmm. i was just thinking about the exact same thing 
that's something I'm not really seeing being included right now in education. And so I think if we were really to look at this principle, like there is still room for it, but it just, it it's one of those things that needs to get updated. But I think it's a, it's a pretty good thing to have in school, just like number four being vocation. And the objective of that principle is that the student gets to know him or herself in a variety of careers so that the student can choose the most suitable career. The student should then develop an understanding of the relationship between the vocation and the community in which one lives and works. Those who are successful in a vocation should be the ones to teach the students in either the school or the workplace. I think we're we're nailing it in some ways and kind of missing it in others. Um, with the requirements for certification to become a, a career and technical education teacher, um, you have to have a degree in it and or uh, recent work history and there's a minimum requirement for the work history. So it's it's not a situation of those who can't do teach. It's the ones that can do are the ones that are certified. So there is a plus side to that. However, the variety, we are missing out on the variety yeah. um, because we're saying we're saying to to eighth graders, okay, decide what you want to study for the next four years. What are you going to major in vocationally for high school? And um, it depends on what school you're on, on, on what kind of things are going to be offered, whether it's it's business or healthcare or something in agriculture and or uh, and construction type things come under a lot of them come under agriculture, culinary arts or any number of different things, um, even cosmetology. But it's like once you make your decision, there is an, a very high expectation that you are going to complete that course of study over the next four years and acquire some certification so in an industry. Really give them a chance to explore. Correct. A variety. Correct. Because they pick a track, they're kind of stuck with that track because so we have school choice, but there's a transportation issue. So if you start one and it's, you know, 20 miles from home, but you decide you want to do another. I mean, that sounds, yeah, it sounds like we were trying, but I think we're still missing that mark. What about you, Evs? Just that makes sense what you're saying. The whole diversity thing, you know, beta this in the ones that they offer most commonly. And I could think of my high school, it was mechanic, automotive, body and shop, you know, which are all come together, healthcare, cosmetology. I don't think we had like the agriculture part because we we're on the south side of San Antonio. I don't know that I could be wrong. I, didn't, I wasn't on that like path. Yeah. I was on the college pathway, which I mean, hearing about makes me think about my kiddos. I were talking to one of my kids who's an eighth grader and they're gonna be freshmen next year and he was like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know what 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 path to choose. And I'm like, damn, like, you got to, they make it like you have to choose when you have to stick to it. And it's just like, but the kid, the kids need to figure out what they want to do. Like, you know, you know what you wanted to do at 12, 13 years old? No. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> Ritter, what about you? Did you know your career at 12 or 13? Um, I think, uh, the words were actually, it was like at five years old. And I said, I was going to be an open brain nurse. An open brain. Love it. Love it. Open well, brain nurse. And my cousin was going to be, and my cousin was going to be doctor. And you want to know what's funny? We're both teachers. Hell well, yeah. <laughs> you are an open brain nurse to some extent. I am. I am. 
you know, so you kind of got there. I got there. I'm glad I'm not dealing with the actual gray matter as in put my fingers in it. Okay, Raider, I'm going to stop you with that. No, no, I don't want to junk up my nails with that. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, in, in all seriousness, though, I mean, where I went to high school, it was there were no pathways. It was, it was 100% STEM. It was 100% college preparatory, um, pathway to use Texas terminology and, um, expectations were wildly different than what I experienced with my students. And one of the things that, that had I gone to a Texas high school and I had to experience, um, pathways, if I went to the high school that I teach at right now, I would be so so angry because I would have take I would have wanted to take a fine arts pathway and and it's not it's not considered it's not well it is there but it's not well supported I am not a musician and the way that it's set up right now is is it's a combination of music and taking actual art and photography um so I would not be able to complete it. And I have several students that, that have, have said the same thing, that they're frustrated by this uh, because the, you know, art and music isn't supported in the same way as welding is yeah, or so culinary we're, we're arts is. A lot of that worthy home membership through the way that we're currently trying to provide that vocation. Correct. Um. Which kind of brings us around to good old civic education, education, Mm, 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 mm. our fifth principle, which is to develop an awareness and concern for one's own community. A student should gain knowledge of social organization and a commitment to civic morality. Diversity and cooperation should be paramount. Democratic organization of the school and classrooms, as well as group problem solving, are methods that the principal should be taught through. And so reading that, I have to tell you, the group problem solving would be outstanding if our kids could learn it. But when I look at this and I think about the communities that we have and the lack of knowledge for the resources that exist, I don't know. What's your thoughts? I feel like this ties with what I said about number three, about like civic responsibility, Mm -hmm. but also like, group problem solving that this principle should be taught through i don't know like i apply this to like the way society is now and how everyone's just very closed minded and have hate for each other mm-hmm. kind of like how did we get to that point that means their education kind of air quotes failed them in that sense because like right. root problem solving you need to be kind of be open-minded to work with other people so I don't know, that's what I was thinking when you were reading that. The diversity and the cooperation. And then I look at the the community. Well, we can talk about organizations around that, but what about the politics? Where are we teaching our community politics? Where are we teaching the kids that, you know, what are our district council members for? What is our mayor for? What is this person? What is this person? Why are these important? Why does it matter to you? What is their job? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I I think this is something that really needs to come back in a stronger form. I think Um, rather than just a definition of what that person does, it needs to be more personal. How that person affects you and what you can do to affect that person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, really understand the community. 
we really don't see this. We talk about getting out there and, you know, being aware, but it seems to be more like, um, I don't know, like uh, community activities like the Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, and, you know, a couple of these other ones, but I don't really see a lot of instruction as to like being truly aware. I don't know, Raider, if this is different for you or if you've seen something different. Well, one of the things that, that I did recently with my kids, um, and it was a group of juniors and seniors, and it was in professional communications. And, and we were talking about, I just went and I, I drew a bullseye on the, on the board. And I said, guys, what is it? And they're like, oh, well, it's, you know, Target's icon. And I'm like, well, we're not talking about shopping today, but let's mm -hmm. look at what it actually means. I said, you're the center. And all the concentric circles outside of it are the realms of influence in your life. I said, so, you know, in this margin right around, you know, the white space right around the bullseye, that's your family and your closest friends. You have influence on them. They have influence on you. And then the circle outside of that, that is where we're looking at people in the community, um, your, your local government, because they are going to have an influence on you. And as a voting member of your community, when you are old enough, that you have an influence on them. You have an influence on choosing who is going to be in that role. Well, and are they, you every know, every teacher could do that and, and keep going out until we got to, we got to, you know, the, the president of the United States of being, you know, further out and then just the global community of the, the, you know, the entire yeah. planet outside of that, there's still an influence, but the further out it goes on the circles, the, it, you know, like the less it has to do with interaction, you, it really right. does. And so, you know, it's like talking about that and having the kids understand yes you are you are master of your own destiny you're master of your own universe but you are also affecting but all the of people this. in the orbit as well yeah okay I like that I wish that was something I knew that was being done in a lot of classes I think that would be really good so I'm gonna applaud you for that lesson that was awesome well I gotta um, actually thank my my kid's dad for that one because he he used that to help me deal with anxiety one day and that one made a big difference okay so we got to go on to, on to number six worthy use of leisure the idea behind this principle is that education should give students the skills to enrich his or her body mind spirit and personality in his or her leisure time the school should provide appropriate recreation. This principle should be taught in all subjects, but primarily in music, art, literature, drama, social issues, and science. Oh, you mean the stuff that isn't getting the support? Mm -hmm. huh. All right, except you for had science. a really good idea on this one. Yeah, except for science. The what? You had a good idea about like learning about the stress management again, bringing that back around and and like the, the yoga and meditation yeah, and things like that. What Raider had said earlier about all that, teaching kids how to manage your stress and all that. Yeah, we need yeah. we need more effective social emotional learning, mm -hmm. um, because if if a kid can understand and, and the whole target thing, realm of influence thing makes that, a, that's can reminded me go into that as well. Because if 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 kids. We have to come at it from like a cultural perspective as well and support the culture because our music means everything to us mm -hmm. and understanding 
our our art, whether it's Latino art or it's indigenous art or the classics, whatever it may be, it means a lot to us as well as our literature and drama, not like as in spilling the tea, but the situation of uh, dramatic principles of theater and things of that nature, because well, we, we got a lot of drama in high today, school girl. that we need to avoid. Um, but social issues, you know, learning how to communicate with one another in a, a healthy and supportive way. Beyond emojis? What? Okay, that's hieroglyphics, and that still goes back to art. But being able to mm. speak your truth yeah, within true. that realm is important. And I think we're missing out on a lot of that. I think we are. And I think a lot of this actually helps build our seventh principle being ethical mm -hmm. character. But I know that for this principle, they're specifically talking about instilling in the student the notion of personal responsibility and initiative, appropriate teaching methods and school organization should be the primary examples. Mm. Yeah, I got some issues with that. And it, it you know, it comes back, it, everything on this links back together, because dealing with mm -hmm. civic education and worthy of leisure being worthy of family membership, community membership, health, it all comes back down to if we are teaching ethical character to our students, personal responsibility, taking, taking responsibility, you did bad, fine, admit it, grow from it, and, and let's go on. Um, and initiative, see a need, fill a need. Right. That's what I mean. Robots is one of the exactly. best movies ever. <laughs> I mean, it seems so simple, but unfortunately, shampoo, rinse, and repeat is going to be right back after this commercial break. Hey, it's Dr. Haddad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transformative Talk. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a message or send us a comment on the website. We look forward to hearing from you all. And thanks again for listening to Transformative Talk. Welcome back to this week's transformative talk of Shampoo, Rinse, Repeat. We are your hosts, Raider, Abby, and Sylvia. So Jürgen Erbst believed the People's College was democracy's finest educational institution. It was and is the once and future school of this title, this book's title. This school will not return to replace the senior high school, but its democratic spirit and its purpose of providing a thorough academic and career preparatory education can and should set the course for the variety of institutions. Now, for some of y'all listening, you might be wondering, well, what is the People's College? The People's College combined the academic study of practical skills that are familiar to most Americans from the academies with the teaching of modern natural sciences like chemistry and geology as carried out in the liberal arts college. It, was, it also fostered to the working class of the cities, a consciousness of common economic and social class interests that was to parallel the collegiate way of the liberal arts colleges. Basically, they kept the academies much like what the Yale report, report detailed. However, they provided practical vocational education. So I guess it really comes down to a question of do we need to go back to the way it was with the People's College? You know, of course, tweaking it for modern times to go forward. I mean, can we actually restore democracy to our educational system? Is that something we need to do? 
How do we feel about it? How do we envision high school? Early high school. college high school. Oh, I'm sorry, Abby, go ahead. Go, go, go for it, go for it. You go, go for it. Early college high school. That I think is the way to go. And we're seeing that not just here in, in rural Texas schools, but we're seeing it happening across the country. And it's, it definitely supports people that have been uh, marginalized historically, but um, I think it needs to be expanded so that it's the entire high school that it's 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 getting us into uh music appreciation getting into art mm -hmm. having having that the english and reading and communication and math and history at a, a level where the kids are using critical thinking skills they are learning the the democracy that's needed within the classroom so that they're learning how to communicate with their peers, with their professors, with people outside of the academics um, and become the best version of themselves that they can be. And that way, when they do go on to whatever career they choose to, that they can problem solve, they can do their jobs, no matter what it is, because any job can teach you how to log into their computer system. They can mm -hmm. teach you how to do the welding. They can teach you how to do the, the automotive. They can teach you how to do all of these different things. But the communication, the problem solving, the the ethics, that's something that needs to be taught before they get into the workplace. Abby, I agree. I mean, um, what I was thinking is like, we can't like use that old template. Like nowadays, because everything's different now. But I feel like, back then throughout the book you can see how with society the education education system did like change with it but not fix it that needs to be like the raider said like um it reminded me of like the banking method like currently we just like throw 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 and like put deposit all this information to the kid's head it's like what facts what facts when facts and it's just like but we're not teaching them how or like why or, like how to apply that stuff to like real world stuff you know and it lacks that critical thinking part, just like she said. Um, it also reminded me of what was it, Giro, Giro, critical pedagogy and democracy. Yes, a lot of that. Henry Giro. Mm-hmm. We're hearing what she said reminded me a lot of what he stood for and like education. So I mean, I think we can rework some of it to make it fit our societal needs now, to help prepare our kids for what we said earlier, their civic responsibility. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I I definitely agree with both of you, but I know before the podcast we were having a, a very serious discussion about in this day and age, what's kind of missing is that life 101 skills. Definitely. And then I know Raider is now teaching professional communication, which I think communication in general, whether it be professional or just daily is something that we need to focus on more because we, what I am seeing is kids are so quick to text or they're very quick to repost social media posts. I'm not seeing a lot of the originality, which plays back into what you guys were saying about being able to think critically about things, being able to look at media and say, okay, who is this targeting? What is the bias on this? Wait, you know, what is, what's the message that they're sending me that I'm, I'm not even aware of? 
you know, and maybe some things wouldn't want us to teach that, but you know, we're slick and we'll slide it in there. Um, the only other thing is that when we were reading through the history, we saw a lot of imbalance. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of imbalance. And so as much as I'm probably going to get some hate on this, I really think there needs to be serious structure. We need to level the playing field for our schools. And I know some areas are going to need more than other areas. And the vocations that are taught in these schools are not going to be applicable. What you would learn for vocational skills in New York may not apply to what vocational skills you're going to need in Utah. Mm -hmm. But that communication and those basic life skills, like how do you do your laundry? How do you basically cook? How do you rent an apartment? Like these are huge. How like, do you do your taxes? Do you understand your taxes? Do you understand this? Do you want to, you know, these basic, very basic things that we have that I, I don't, I think that's getting missed. And I think that's one of the frustrations that we're seeing among the various age groups is like, I know I get very frustrated with some of the much younger ones who don't quite get it. Like they, they have no concept of separating your laundry and why we don't overload washing machines or, you know, they, it's just, I wish I could spend the time and teach them all some very basic lifing skills mm -hmm. because they, they get frustrated and then they get defensive. And so it, it closes things down. And so, yes, well, I'm going to get hate saying we need to, like, if we did this, we need to have set standards across the board with the only adjustment being in the vocational training. But, I mean, that's, we shouldn't have education varying so much from state to state and some states not even following it. So, I mean, I may get hate for that, but I think when we talk about equality in education, we've got us, we do have to level the playing field and have equality so we can build the equity. When we need to make a point that in, in leveling the playing field, it means it does not mean that we are, are aiming at the lowest common denominator. It means that we are setting that bar high and that exactly. we are going to do what we need to do to help everyone rise up to that level. Yeah. And the other thing is, is um, SAISD always says like they have all these schools, but that's great. But how many of your schools are empty? How many teachers mm -hmm. do you have? I think we need to, well, I understand wanting to meet the needs of each and every area. I think we need to consolidate some of our resources mm -hmm. and maybe not have as many schools in the yep. same area, like maybe have a couple of miles. Cause I know what it used to be like a five to 10 mile radius around a school that was your your elementary your middle or your high school and they would feed each other but I know the population is growing to change but now we don't need as many why can't we consolidate resources so we can level that playing field make it so more we effective have enough teachers hmm. I don't know just my thought the business side of it I guess always looking at that side of it well, being cost effective, definitely, but we also have to think of the educational debt that, that we're dealing with because a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff that, that we're talking about and how we want it to change, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I had made a, co- a comment earlier about stacking the deck with our students that we need to, yeah. we need to help them understand the why, because I think why is the most important question we can ever ask. Exactly. And once we get the kids understanding it, then they're going to grow up and that expectation is going to be trickling down to their kids and their grandkids and so on and so forth. And I think that's, that's possibly the best way to restore democracy in our educational system is just to give the why and, and provide the equity to our students and the equity to our instructors. So Mm -hmm. that, um, so they're getting the education that they need for the times that they're living in, because as much as I love the classics, the classics are not necessarily going to help somebody pay the rent, uh, keep the electric on or keep the clean water in their house. Um, but the, the, you know, looking back at the people's college and, and what we learned from this reading is talking about, you know, the critical thinking and being able to do this, that, or the other thing. Well, it can definitely be done with more, more timely literature. It can be done through social studies. It can be done through discussion where the kids' voices are being heard and they're being able to say, hey, here's my opinion, right or wrong. And they give it and then discussion ensues based on that. Yeah, you know, you saying that I feel like you know we want to achieve this overarching goal of making the kids critical thinkers, and I know it's like this point's common knowledge to us in the program, but it's like as educators, you want to do this, but the policymakers are are being, excuse me, but like cock blocks, like they're literally cock blocking what we want to do. <laughs> you know what I'm it saying? Is. Like they're not you can't the score on education. <laughs> exactly, like you're not in the class, and I want the kids. How are you gonna say some shit? We're not when you're not in our shoes, bro. Like we're we're because like us. They only care about maintaining the current social norm, which is well, we know what it is. We don't need to get into that. But the people in power want to maintain power. That is why. Well, the norm's changing. The wind's blowing. Oh, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. But that brings it back, Abby. What do you think? Do we need to go back to like early high school or, you know, similar? Well, I think early high school and people's college are kind of parallel in that. What what are your thoughts, Abby? I feel like they are parallel. I mean, like I said earlier, not entirely, not in its whole being. I feel like it would be different. Of course, like I said earlier, the idea and the like the conceptual idea but like in its entirety no we're different it's different now it's a hundred years what later more hundred years plus later it's completely different now we have technology now so partially but not entirely i think yeah what would so what ideally i mean what would that look like for you i mean going back tweaking it Mm -hmm. I mean like what I guess to you like I don't know I just see you thinking how would (laughs) Abby how would you restore democracy to our educational system honestly this is gonna sound savage and mean but I say either also this is the perfect world as well but 
we either re-educate all of our educators and those who push back, you're done. Like you're done. You know? I um, love it. Because like look at look at us. Like I was gonna say I was old and the new, but I can't even say that because some I'm like like I'm not saying you're good. Oh, but the older people, like some of y'all are woke. You know what I mean? I you know what no, I mean. No, we love you. But, we love you. But mm-hmm. also older te- <laughs> There's also older teachers who are out there that are just like, nope, nope. It's been like this. It's going to be like this. Nope. And they're not like. I've seen those. You know what I'm saying? So they're very close minded. So I would say almost like a factory reset. Where we kind of like dump the ones that don't want to be part of the change. And we get newbies that want to be part of the change. Yeah. I I have to agree. I mean, one of the things I hear is like, no, I only came to this district because of this reason mm-hmm. and in five years i'm done mm-hmm. what there's a lot of us putting a time mm-hmm. it's but still gotta be getting in it for the kids though too like you know and i know teachers who are not in it for the kids and therefore they just go and dump information to the kids and like that's that like it's more than or that. they're not into their subject matter. I mean, I, I talked to you guys off air about that one. Mm-hmm. And it just it infuriated me that it's not part of our certification, so we're not gonna teach it. Yeah. I didn't have to know mm-hmm. it to get certified, so they don't need to know it. I mean, I that just infuriated me. Like if you're not passionate about the subject, dude, step off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing I would say is like, where do the teachers want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, I know, Abby, you do math and science, but you told me, like, you do prefer the science, but you dig the math, so you're happy with it. And I think that should be something that every teacher has. If a teacher doesn't want to teach a subject, dude, don't put them in there. Like, try. Get them where their passion lies. You know, like, for me, I mean, do I want to teach English and ELAR? Not my faves. Mm-hmm. but I love books I love the library mm-hmm. but you know what hopefully that's what I can give to the kids you know besides their basic skills yeah don't make me teach math because we're gonna be do- doing some fingers and toes here <laughs> um don't chip your polish <laughs> science well unless we're talking about you know baking soda and vinegar we're gonna be in a little bit of trouble with me teaching science you know Mm-hmm. They, well, you know taking taking that kind of concept of baking soda and, and vinegar you know it's like me teaching this last year teaching the intro to culinary arts and I'm like okay who are my science kids here and you know some of them raise their hands and it's like okay who wants to be the mad scientist to do this that or the other thing and I'm like we can do this I said, because that's what cooking is I said especially when we get into baking I said that's chemistry man I said, we're looking at chemical reactions. I got you, Raider. I can help you. You know, and it's, it's, it's all of that. And so it's like the kids would get a little more excited about it. And it's like, okay, who's my math people? All right, let's talk about ratios. Let's talk about um, fractions. Fractions, Let's take, take, you know, it's, they're the same thing. And we're going to be dealing Mm -hmm. with that in culinary. And, you know, it's like, okay, so, you know, who are my English folks? What about the culture of these different places? You know, it's like, 
who are my history folks it's like let's look at the social stuff and and where are these recipes coming from where did the the ingredients come from we need to have that kind of a passion and we need to be linking it together (laughs) with all the different um, studies so that we're getting everything being reinforced in every classroom and it's that's that's a really good point is is supporting supporting each other and working together as a team um like i think one of the reasons people do an elar social studies cert is because they are so complementary of each other Mm -hmm. um but our electives that you know they can support music can also support elar but because Mm -hmm. you have to do the beats and the rhythms and it's all about counting and honestly that's fractions too Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that is that is also supporting the math but don't take away from the music right it's all supportive yes it has to be supportive culinary arts man there was a time when you know once they told me I shouldn't do an academically based career um in my high school counseling um you know culinary arts that's an accepted profession for a woman so that's I mean it's a good thing I loved it but (laughs) man I still, to do fractions, I think of my measuring cups. I mean, our electives can easily support the academics if we support the electives. Mm-hmm. True and for statement. Me, that would be a key component. Yep. I mean, think about PE. Like, man, that could be a good one. It, it really could. Help so with converging uh, meters and my, metric to oh American. definitely. Coming back to what you were saying, you know about that that core needs to support academics and academic or excuse me the like the art the the music all of that needs to be supported by the cores and vice versa. Um, there's there's just so much that. We also need to get in there culturally as well, because if we go back and we circle all the way back to the principles and we talk about worthy of home membership, yeah, talking about civic responsibility and all of that, we also need to support in our students exactly. those endeavors mm-hmm. and cr- creating a place for them. I mean, we have some schools have a full student council some it's just class uh class yeah. officers um having uil things of that yeah. nature not everybody has a debate club not everybody is getting into one act play and that's why i said like level the playing field we level the playing field. all of that if we have schools that have sparse where okay so i've been in schools where we didn't have teachers, mm-hmm. but you're still trying to have courses. Mm-hmm. But the only courses that you're really supporting are your math and your ELAR, because that's what you're going to get graded on for start. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, let's consolidate. Let's level the playing field. If we have five elementary schools within an area, let's let's look at that. Let's mm-hmm. look at that because we need our resources get two teachers in a classroom maybe oh yeah mm-hmm. I mean I think that would be ideal because of course if we consolidate we're going to make larger classes 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, just the power of one teacher is amazing. But to have two teachers in a classroom, like, man, bing, bing, boom. I could, mm-hmm. I could just see that, especially when you have self-contained, self-contained classrooms like we see in our primary or elementary school levels. I mean, but what I, I would love to see in, I think, for any ideal educational situation to work, whether we're talking going back to something like people's college or, you know, early college for now, the teachers need to work together. Yes. We need to stop the divide that's happening because I do see that. Yep. Grade levels, you know, we're promoting our kids. So let's, let's talk to those upper level teachers. What, what are the expectations, you know, and, and just like, let them understand like where we're coming from like what you know just have that communication have that work together and please put a life 101 class in yep and let me teach um, it <laughs> i'll take it on. i don't know you and i'll have to go back and forth on that one we can team teach i'm on it i'm with all you. right let's do as this as long as abby's on math and science okay yeah, we'll it. build our own school you got it yeah. <laughs> Guys, this has been awesome. I think we could all probably talk all day. Um, but I think they might be a little tired of hearing us. You know, I don't know. But that's really all we have for this episode. We thank you as always for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you discover our show. That's it for now. But we'll see you in the next episode of Transformative Talk. Have a great night. Oh, P.S. To learn more about this topic, please check out Herbst from 1996, The Once and Future School, 350 Years of American Secondary Education. You can find that on Rutledge. Or you can look at Raubinga, Rao, Piper, and West and the Development of Secondary Education, New York. And you can find that in Macmillan, published in 1969. Thanks again Thank for you, listening. Thank you, Raider. You're welcome. All right, for real, guys, have a great day. Bye. Bye.